Well, uh, it's good to be back with you guys. Uh, Mike is preaching at Southway, and I'm preaching here. And one day, because of Skype, we may interlink and see what's going on. But <laughs> until that time, you just have to wonder. But anyway, um, my name is Jason, and it's, it's good to be back with you guys. Uh, we have just an incredibly outrageous task to do today. We're going to go through an entire book of the Bible in one sermon, and I will have you out in some sort of time. So I want to invite you to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. And in case you're wondering, you're like, wait a minute, that has 16 chapters. Yes, we have a lot to do, so let's go. The faster you get there, the faster I can move on. But while you're turning there, um, 2011, and made me realize as we're turning into a new year, by the way, Happy New Year. I think I can still say that. Uh, the statute of limitations has not run out on that just yet. It made me realize, though, 2011, this is my 20th high school reunion, 20th anniversary. Oh, wow. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Easy. All right. And it got me thinking, I'm like, holy cow, I graduated in 1991 from high school. Can you imagine? I mean, think of our world back in 1991. Some of you can't because you weren't even here. Uh, some of you can and don't want to, so I'm going to remind you. Uh, President Bush, Bush won. Gulf War won. Uh, gas was one dollar. Remember those days when gas was a dollar? Yeah, ain't going to happen anymore. But, uh, um, Houston still didn't have a pro football team, um, so <laughs> not bitter about that at all. But it made me realize just, um, I had a lady in first service goes, you're going to reunion, aren't you? I was like, oh, I don't know. She goes, you should. I'm like, okay, all right. If you want me to, I will. She goes, because some people, you'd be surprised at what happens to them. I'm like, not really. I knew what those guys were going to do long before they did. But uh, What reminded me, though, also, it's the 20th anniversary of my senior in high school and our youth group that we had. In our youth group, we were, if I may say so, we were a bit different than all the other youth groups in, in the town that I grew up in. And the reason I say that is because there was like an expectancy when we got together. Uh, the church was gracious to give us the sanctuary on a Wednesday night. Without any elders there... No adults were there except the youth pastors. There was one for like a hundred of us. And we would do the craziest things like turkey wrestling with turkeys. <laughs> Raw turkeys. Like, if you can pull the wishbone, you win. And, and it's this stupid stuff that back in 1991 made a bit of sense. And we would see, like, people would actually go, hey, all right, tomorrow at lunch, we're going to eat together, and we're going to get so-and-so, buy them a lunch pizza, and we're going to talk about Jesus together. You in? We're in. We're in. We're in. And like five of us would be like, we're invading you in Jesus' name. And we would, we would go after people. And like we would kidnap people from, I'm doing my homework. No, anymore, you're going to youth group. And, and when we were in meetings together, you never heard me. You never heard me. It was always about us. Because our youth pastor drilled into our head that it wasn't about individual accomplishments. It was about the body. It was about us, right? There was not a lot of me talk. There was a lot of we and us talk. Because he would drill into our heads that it's really not about whether what one person can do versus another. But when we all join together as a team, what could be accomplished? And one night we had over 200 kids in this very uncomfortably packed sanctuary. And a few of us were in the back just like sobbing because we saw what God could do through a group of people. I mean, we were teenagers. We thought we knew everything, but we didn't know we didn't. And we still thought that we could change the world, unlike some people I meet today that, that kind of have had some of that beaten out of them. There's a lot of talk about us. 
And see, you're in a series, and I get to close it, and I'm very grateful for that, about two ways. And, and, Mike, and I've been listening online, and Mike's been talking about two ways to live, a way that leads to life, a way that leads to death. But what I want to do is apply it to the church in general. See, there's two ways for a church to go as well, the way of life and the way of death. And I'm grateful for the example that the Corinthian church is to us. Because in 1 Corinthians, you see Paul not really being nice. Okay, The Apostle Paul was a nice guy, but not to the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth was a very unique church. It was a Roman colony. And back then, Rome was kind of, they were the, the, the kings of the world. All right, And the Roman colony, as a Roman colony, Corinth had protection. It was kind of allowed to do its own thing under the guise of Rome. And so it was right by the sea. So you had all these different people wanting to do business in Corinth. So it was a melting pot of culture, a melting pot of ideas, a melting pot of philosophy. You actually had guys that would be charged a fee for them to go into the town square and deliver the latest philosophy. Okay, And Corinth had temples, many, many temples, none of them for Jesus, all towards Roman gods and goddesses. The most popular one was the sex god and goddess, where there's estimates of a thousand temple prostitutes at any time in the city of Corinth. Okay, So you had a lot of stuff going on, a lot of culture, a lot of multicultural, and this is where the, the Corinthian church is established and it starts to exist. What I like to do is, is I propose to you that we live in a city that is exactly like Corinth. You may be, what do you mean, Houston? I mean, Jason, come on, we have more megachurches in Houston than any other city in the country. How could we be like Corinth? Because we also have more businesses devoted to the sex trade than any other city in the country. The shame is that some people are members of both, Right? Jason, how can you say that? I mean, Houston, we are the Bible Belt. Have you ever heard the term Bible Belt? Raise your hand if you ever heard that term. Okay, I got news for you. The belt's done. Let me tell you how I know that. Because in the 610 loop, right? You ever done that, loop 610? Especially in traffic when it becomes the 6,010 loop, okay? Because it takes 6,000 hours to get home. All right, there's 169 different countries represented in the 610 loop. We are not quite Anglo-Saxon Protestants anymore. Houston has over 70,000 Nigerians. It's the second largest population of Nigerians outside of Nigeria. Okay. You go to different parts of Houston, they're labeled by the type of culture there is. There's India, there's Chinatown, there's this, there's that. Houston, Texas is a melting pot. It is no longer white, Anglo-Saxon, and Protestant. We are Corinth. 11 thousand women are trafficked. In other words, they were kidnapped from their home, taken against their will, and delivered to Houston for the purposes of exploitation every year in our city. And as long as you have that number, I don't care how many megachurches you have, we are not the Bible Belt. We're Corinth. And Paul has a message to the Corinthians. We only have two of his letters. There's actually three that were written. If you read 1 Corinthians 5 and then and 2 Corinthians, the latter part, he mentions another letter that we, we don't have. Chances are it was even more pointed and more in your face, more calling out than either of the two letters we do have. And Paul writes two letters to the church in Corinth. And over and over and over again, you hear this message to the church 
to the church. There's two ways. A way that leads to life, a way that leads to death. And to the church, to the members of the church, he says this over and over and over again. Your individual actions have community-wide consequences. If you don't hear anything else I say, hear this. Your individual actions, FCQ. Your individual actions as a member or an attender of this body of believers has consequences that affect the whole body. Notice I didn't label them good or bad. But either way you go, life or death, they have consequences. Now I want us to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're just going to go through the, we're not going to go verse by verse. This is what uh, Mike does and, and we do it here at Southway, uh, there at Southway, sorry, do it at Southway as well. We either take books of the Bible and go through them verse by verse, line by line, or we have targeted topics where we take a chunk of scripture and kind of just kind of dissect it. But we're not going to do verse by verse, but we're going to do kind of chapter by chapter, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. And you probably have wondered, why are greetings there? Why does Paul always include a greeting? Is it just so we can establish who he is? Actually, there's another reason in this instance, and we're going to get there. 1 Corinthians 1, starting in verse 1. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Jesus Christ, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Stop right there. Remember that verse. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Remember that. Because after this, it's on. <laughs> He's like, but think about it. Still, though, there is a shred. There is a bit there where he says, you guys are really messed up. You're jacked up. You're just uh, rampantly filthy. But I give thanks to God for you. And, and here's why. Verse 5. That in every way you're enriched in him, in all speech, in all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. It starts off kind of good, right? Hey, I thank God for you. You're doing, you're enriched. You have every spiritual gift. You've, you've been sanctified. You're being made more like Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm really thanking God for you. And then... By the end of chapter 1, you already see problems. There's divisions, which he augments in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. After spending chapter 1, uh, the rest of chapter 1, talking about divisions and baptism, and then chapter 2, talking about the natural mind versus the spiritual mind, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, you see a bit of a turn, unfortunately. But I, brothers, cannot address you as spiritual people. But as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you are not even you are not yet ready. For you are still of the flesh. For while there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says I follow Paul, and another I follow Apollos, 
Are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Think about it. Here's what's going on. There was factions happening around teachers, right? Now, we wouldn't know anything about that today, would we? Well, I like Matt Chandler. Oh, yeah, well, I like Francis Chan. Oh, yeah, well, I like C.S. Lewis. Oh, yeah, well, I like N.T. Wright. Oh, yeah, well, I like so-and-so. I like Mike Skinner. Oh, yeah? Well, I don't. Oh, yeah? Well, I do. Oh, yeah? Well, I love Jesus. How about you? Okay, that's you know, kind of the... Who are all these guys? What does Paul say about them? They're human. The best that they can do, the very best that these guys can do, is be a pointer to someone far greater than them. The very best that I can do is by God's grace and enabling point you to something far greater than, than me. And these guys are, are attaching themselves to these guys. And it's so easy for us to do it now because this little thing called uh, um, iTunes. And on Facebook, you can actually be a fan of certain people. I'm not downing Facebook. Well, sort of. Okay? But it's like, all of a sudden, we've created, in, in our, in our sub-Christian culture, superstars who were never supposed to be. Never supposed to be. I, I just want to meet you, Mr. Chan. I, I got that one time. I got a picture taken with Francis Chan. And I'm like, see, it's me with Francis Chan. I was like, dude, I'm such a homer, man. You think Francis Chan really cares? Who am I trying to impress? Do you think if I went up to Francis Chan, like, yo, Francis, he'd be like, and you are... See, there's divisions happening, and it should not be. A church divided is never good. Division brings destruction. And these guys were saying, you know what? I don't like you because you're a Paul guy, and I'm an Apollos guy. And it's almost like teams. You know, well, I love the Texans. I don't know why. Uh, I love the Cowboys. I don't know why, but all of a sudden you guys get fighting. This, this, is, this is sports warfare. This shouldn't be in the church, and yet this is happening. And Paul says, because of this, you're not mature. You're immature. And you shouldn't be immature. You should be moving towards maturity. But that's not actually the worst of it. If you, if you skip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he starts really nailing them. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1. Listen to, listen to this. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. Think about this statement for a minute. Who is he writing to? The church in Corinth, which is surrounded by sexual what? Immorality. And he says that there is a type of sexual immorality that even the people outside the church would be like, ooh. What is it? For a man has his father's wife. And you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. Drop down to verse 6. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven spoils the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. What he's meaning here is this. There's sin in your camp and you're not 
mourning, you're actually going, yay? Here's the situation. A man marries a lady. They have a son. The lady dies. The man remarries. And then the son hooks up with his stepmom. And they're cheering. You go, boy. And they're cheering. And Paul is like, ought you not be ashamed? Shouldn't you, instead of cheering, mourn? Instead of cheering, should you not go to this guy and say, you are sinning, you need to repent and believe the gospel? You're arrogant. He says they're arrogant. And the thing is, is that we sit there and we have a a couple thousand years of hindsight here. What's happening in our churches? Well, I'm not sleeping with my stepmom. Yeah, but are you going online and looking at porn? Are you, maybe, oh, I'm not looking at porn, but uh, I'm a serial dater and I'm not ready to commit. Or maybe it's something else, or maybe it's something else, or maybe it's anything that would draw away from the body. Do you think that their actions harmed the body, yes or no? Yeah. Their individual actions were having reverb to everyone. And it reached Paul's ears and he wrote about this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 5. Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers, but brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers? To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud, even your own brothers. Think about this. There's lawsuits happening. And, and, and the people outside the church are going, wow, they're no different than we are. Hmm. Why should I listen to them? They say they have something different. Look at them. They're suing just like uh, Uncle Johnny sued Aunt Susie. Yeah, and that that's funny. What's all their talk about? Do you see what's happening here? Do you see what's happening? They're defrauding one another. They're suing one another. And he says, is there not someone wise who could help settle these disputes and kind of keep it in-house? Aren't there elders there that can come before you and, and help you settle this stuff? You're acting no different than the pagans you're trying to say you're, you're trying to reach. I often wonder, when I'm talking to people about Jesus Christ, especially in our city, if maybe we as the church have not inoculated them towards the real gospel. Because here's what I hear a lot. Hey, can I talk to you about Jesus Christ? I do that. What? I do that. Huh? Well, you want to talk to me about Jesus Christ? I I do that. I I go to church. I don't want to talk to you about church. I go to church. You've equated the faith with the building you assemble in. We've inoculated them to the real thing. They're inoculating people of Corinth to the real thing. How? How? by the way that they're acting. Your individual actions have community-wide consequences, whether good or bad. There's no mistaking that. There are two ways for churches, and this is not just applying to individuals in the church, this is churches within the city, because, check this out, okay? For a long time, we've been trying to build up a relationship with you guys, okay? It starts off with uh, me, I've known Janelle Henderson for... Let's just say a long time. Okay? I've known Janelle Henderson since she was in fifth grade. Okay? 
Um, I believe that this year y'all will celebrate 10 years of marriage. Okay. And uh, I, I, I got to know Chris and be intimidated by his intellect already, you know, and um, hello, Chris, you know, and then um, we started hanging out with Mike and then a couple of our guys would hang out with their guys. And we started kind of, you know, how can we work together? And then Church Under the Bridge came up. And you'll hear more about that in just a minute. And uh, we start our actions as Southway now have a direct impact on FC Cubed. Because if we mess something up now, we're in a kind of a partnership. So as we go, we may be dragging you guys down with us or helping set you guys up for better service. So it's not just individuals making up the church. It's individual churches within the city. We have to think about it, right? As, as churches go, the city will go. 1 Corinthians 8. Paul talks about starting in verse 9. After saying, you know, people were talking about, we have rights, which is a laugh if you're a Christian. We have rights. We can eat what we want. We can drink what we want. Paul says, verse 9, but take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating it in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Thus, sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, food makes my brother stumble. I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Hey, I can do whatever I want. I've got rights. No, you don't. Americans have rights. But if you're a Christian, you're not a citizen of this country first. You're a citizen of another kingdom. And in that kingdom, you have one right, the right to serve. And that's it. Are we tracking? You see, as Americans, this flies in our face. We have the American dream, right? We have rights. We are free. And Paul says, yeah, you're free to do one thing. Serve your brother. And if my brother, who has just maybe been converted out of a Corinthian lifestyle and could be swayed back by even eating meat that was in an idol's temple, Paul says, the only right thing to do is to stay away from it. Am I free to eat that? Yeah, I'm free to do whatever, you know. That, that's, not a de- that's, a, that's not a black and white sin issue. That's a debatable issue. I could eat meat. But Paul's like, no, I'm going to go vegetarian. Because that guy could go down. We have some recovering alcoholics in our church. For, and for them, their, their struggle is not a year's sobriety or five years sobriety or 15 years sobriety, even though one is one year, one is five years, one is 15. They tell me even today that their struggle is minute by minute by hour by hour. Now, a lot of people have different views on alcohol depending on where you grew up. I'm a recovering Baptist, and so there's some issues there. Yeah, I said it. Okay, uh, there's some issues there with that, and some Baptists say that the alcohol used in the New Testament was really grape juice, and I say, cuckoo. Okay, it was really alcohol, all right? Am I free? Do I believe that I'm free to drink alcohol? Yes. Am I free to get drunk? No. Am I also free to not drink alcohol around an alcoholic? I'm, I'm actually supposed to not do that. So when my friend, if I'm around my friends, there's no sweat for me to give that up. That's, why, why would I want to endanger that person? That, I want to be mature. I, I, I want to help the weak. I don't want to be a jerk. 
my individual actions in that would have more rever reverb, reverb, because I'm not just affecting the alcoholic, I'm affecting the alcoholic's family that goes to the church and their friends that they're inviting to church. Now all of a sudden, I'm affecting the entire first five rows in my church. Paul says, hey, you are not supposed to hurt the weaker brother. Instead, undergird them and build them up. He may be free to eat or drink, but you are not free to cause him to stumble. Don't be doing that. You don't have rights. And listen to this language he uses in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I love this passage. Listen to this, verse 19. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might what? Win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. Why? I do it for the sake of the gospel, that I may share it and share with them in its blessings. Do you not know then a race, the, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So do not run aimlessly. Do not box as if one beating the air. I discipline my own body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. What is Paul saying here? We're saying a lot, but let's just drill it down. Hey, I'm in this to see the kingdom expanded. I'm in this to see to see people come to know the grace that knows me, right? And I'm going to do everything I can. I'm not going to. I'm going to avoid certain things. I'm going to engage in other things. I'm going to avoid certain things that cause this guy to stumble, and I'm going to engage this guy. To the Jew, I become a Jew. I'm going to talk to him like that. To the Gentile, I'm going to be a Gentile. And you notice how he he says, even though I'm not under the law, but and he says, but I'm under the law of Christ. He knows he's not free to do everything, but he knows he's not bound by everything either. He's saying, I want to do this. I want people to see Christ. First Corinthians 10. After talking about the example that Israel was, the bad example that they were. Starting in verse 12, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. In a familiar scripture to probably some of us, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. 14, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Flee. Does he say flirt with it? Flirt with idolatry? Dabble with idolatry? No, he says run, run, run away, run away. Using Israel as an example. Okay? Now, these guys may not realize what was going on in Israel's past, but he had thousands of years and hundreds of times where Israel turned to something <coughs> other than God to fulfill them, and he saw what happened. What happened to Israel? Every time she turned from God, what did God do? He laid the smack down on her so that she would turn back. Flee from idolatry. What I shudder is this. They had Israel as an example. We have Corinth as an example. What happens a thousand, fifteen hundred years from now? Will the church then have our 
example, that's kind of scary. That gives me pause. So I need to really evaluate where I'm, what I'm doing, where I'm living. He ends his chapter in 10 by saying this, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. That's pretty poignant, wouldn't you agree? 1 Corinthians 11, talking about the Lord's Supper. And he says, you guys don't even wait. And some of you are already drunk. And yet this should be a time where we're coming together. And you guys don't even treat each other like a brother or a sister. What, what is going on with you guys? Verse 33, so then my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home. So that when you come together, it will not be for judgment about the other things. I will give directions when I come. But guys, whatever you're doing... Do it the right way. Do it the God-ordained way. This is not some college pizza feast right before a bowl game. Sorry, UT. All right? Maybe next year. This is like somewhat where you're actually like, uh, say you're, you're a TCU fan. Didn't they win? Okay, so, okay. thought I was doing well. Okay? Say you're a TCU fan and you're, you're rooting for the bowl and it's like you, you have a five large whatever pizzas you like and you're waiting for your friends to come over and that pizza's smelling really, really um, pizza-like and you're ready to eat and you haven't, you're fasted like all day waiting for this and and, um, and then your significant other comes on. You're eating judgment. No, I'm not. I'm eating pepperoni. No, that's judgment. I prayed. You know? And the idea is that you're waiting for everybody to come together so as a community you celebrate the Lord's Supper, which we'll celebrate in a few minutes. And Paul's like, guys, you can't even wait for one another? What are you doing? You're, you're actually inflicting judgment upon yourself. What are you doing? Think, Paul says. And then how many, let's just be honest, how many of us have ever been jealous of someone else's standing in the church? Let's just be honest. Like, so-and-so is now an elder. Oh my gosh, I can't believe they're an elder. I should be an elder. Have you ever felt that way? Don't raise your hand because we don't really want to know. But I mean, have you ever felt that way? That maybe perhaps you start getting jealous of someone else's role in the body? Well, you know what? All I've you know, I've been I've been changing diapers for 20 years, and that person's an elder. What's that? That's jealousy. What's that? That's harm. What's that? It's sin. Well, all I am is just a diaper changer. Then change them good. All I do is change... Di- no, you're changing the world a diaper at a time. And that's not pithy saying. I'm being serious. It's like, well, that guy gets to be this, and, and Chris gets to sing, or Mike gets to preach, or you know, so-and-so. And, and you're like, why are you so jealous of, of, of other stuff? Because I can tell you right now, there are times where I would rather change diapers than preach. Because I feel like I get more done. <laughs> At least I know how much I would clean up. Never mind. I'm just being. <laughs> Give me that one, okay? Listen to what Paul says about this issue about using your gifts in the body. First Corinthians twelve twenty one. The eye cannot say to the hand, "I have no need of you," nor again the head to the feet, "I have no need of you." On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty why which are more presentable parts do not require 
But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, we all suffer together. If one member is honored, we all rejoice together. Now you're the body of Christ and individually members of it. Hey, look, no divisions. No divisions. If you have a part, play it. If you have a role, know it. Know the role that you have. Play the part that you have. Ask God to give you all sorts of strength and all sorts of joy as you serve Him in that role. And if you're a pinky toe, praise God you're a pinky toe. You know why? Because you don't have all that responsibility. And if you're the brain, praise God that you're the brain. If you're the eye, praise God that you're the eye. But don't be jealous of someone else's role. I mean, to be honest... That's fourth grade. Right? And you think of that, well, I'm an adult. I don't do fourth grade. Go to elder meetings at my church. Well, sixth grade. Okay? But sometimes, I mean, sometimes in our church, we, we have fought. And I'm just, I love my church. We have fought about the craziest things. For example, one time, we're going to change the name of the church. We want to change the name. Southway Community Church. We want to change the name. You know what they wanted to change the name to? Southway Community Bible Church. Mm, okay. Most people in our city who don't think about Christianity will assume that we're a Bible church. Right? But some, we had people who were, literally, we had one guy, I saw veins coming out of his head. He's like, we, we got to return to our roots and be a Bible church. I was like, who says we're not? I've been a part of some churches, and, and some of you may have been too, where the color of the carpet was red, and they wanted to change it to blue. And I kid you not, they had a church split over it. And, and that's profound, because you heard those groans. That's not, I'm hungry, that's agreement. Did you hear that? I heard three groans from that. They, they split over what? Over what? The color of carpet. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I think there's bigger things to fight over. So at the end of the day, division is destruction. And he's saying, guys, come together. Be a cohesive body. Be the body that you can be and are supposed to be. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, but in that there's a very poignant thing. Verse 11, he says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Hey, when you're a child, are you expected to act like a child? When you're a a grown-up, are you expected to act like a child? Paul says, hey, put away childish things. Move towards maturity. People who are claiming faith in Jesus Christ, they're they're not ever going to be perfect. That's the great um, danger for those of us who are perfectionists and, and, and Christian. Okay? Because if you're a perfectionist and Christian, you're going to drive yourself nuts because you're never going to get there this side of eternity, are you? Are you? Yeah. No. But yet you're called to pursue that anyway. And it's the idea is that I want to move more and more towards maturity. As God gives me grace and strength, as I'm surrounded by the believers and they're encouraging me, calling me out, 
giving me a pat on the back and a kick in the rear when I need it. I'm moving towards maturity. Paul says, when you were a child, you were a child. But you're a man, you're a woman now. Let's, let's start acting that way. And sadly, we see extended adolescence a lot of times in the church. 1 Corinthians 14, we're almost done. Paul says in verse 1, to pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. In other words, he's saying strive in building up the church. Then he goes into this discussion about tongues, which we won't get into. But Paul basically says, I'd rather speak five intelligible words than thousands of words in tongues because I want to edify you, to build you up, to move you towards maturity. Verse 19, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Now check this out. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In other words, you should not be so familiar with evil. You should be very, very naive towards evil. But in your thinking, he says, be mature. Be maturing. Now how many of you have ever fed a kid from a high chair? Keep him up for a second. I want to see. Okay. How, uh, what, about six months to how many years do you usually feed a kid? How, how, old, how old do you keep him in the high chair till? Some, what, 12? What? No. <laughs> no. But can you imagine if one day you walked in, people were doing their stuff, and all of a sudden you see a 20-year-old college kid stuffed in a high chair. And Bowers over here is like, here comes the plane and his Gerber food. And the kid's like, nah, 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 right? You think that there's something right or wrong with this kid. <laughs> wrong, right? Why? Dude should be eating on his own. Should not have to be sitting in the high chair being fed Gerber food. Paul's like, hey, some of you are 20 and still eating Gerber food. Move towards maturity. Think maturely. Think maturely. Moving towards maturity is natural and normal, not superstar, not MVP. That's just the norm. Closing up, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 21. I love this. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Check it out. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. That's Hallmark card, right? <laughs> Happy birthday. Be accursed. All right. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. He says. But he's saying, hey guys, if you're not willing to ship up, you need, you need to get out. Because your actions, individuals, are hurting all of us. All of us. Individual actions have community-wide consequences. Our actions have community-wide consequences. It's not just me when we walk in here. It's we. And it's not just this church. It's our churches connected with other churches. It's, it's us. We're all in this together. How many times have we walked in here and it's been about me? Oh, they sing in my song today. He's preaching my book today. He's doing my thing today. How many of us go and eat lunch afterwards and we do an American Idol review of the service? 
I like this, didn't like that, that one was bad. Simon says you need to get off the stage, this, 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 and this. How many of us do that with the service rather than going, I wonder how God is evaluating my worship of him as I gather with other saints? And how would he use us? And am I helping us? See, your actions as individuals have consequences that are community-wide. I want to share with you something as we close up. I figured I'd beat this up long enough. Let me end on a good note, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, this is uh, our little series we're going through right now, Frequently Avoided Questions. And if you're wondering, yeah, we, we stole Dr. House, okay? And uh, last week we talked about why is the church obsessed with my money. So we, we opened up our worship folder and uh, we gave one of these in every one of our bulletins. Now, don't go crazy, all right? It's a $1 bill. Right? <laughs> and we're not Lakewood. We can't give you hundreds. But anyway. <laughs> oh, this is being recorded, isn't it? Ah, <laughs> think again, all right? We put a dollar bill in each one. And we said um, that you had to do one or two. You had to do something with it. You couldn't put it back in the offering box. And you couldn't spend it on yourself. But somehow, someway, somewhere, you had to... Use this dollar to promote a kingdom cause. Okay? You had to use this to promote a kingdom cause. It was a risk. Because I have no idea what these people were going to do with this. And the reports started coming in. Two people uh, used their dollars and just didn't give it to a homeless guy. They parked their car and had a 30-minute conversation with homeless guy. Saying, here, we want to give you this. But this isn't from us. This is from our church. Your church is giving me what? Why? Because our pastor, he's kind of crazy. <laughs> and, and he wants you to know the love of Jesus Christ. Does that solve that guy's problem? Not whole, wholly. Not completely. But it does something, does it not? Some other people went to a food pantry in a neighboring town. Because the food pantry is a nonprofit. They have uh, access to bulk uh, buying rates that makes their buying power ten times better than if I were to walk into a Sam's or Walmart or whatever. Okay, so their their three dollars that they combined became thirty. One of the coolest stories we heard is that a, a girl and her husband took their two dollars, went to her school where she works at, and bought uh, lunches for a kid who's on the low cost lunch program, fifty cents a day. So $2 gives them a lunch for nearly a week. So what they decided to do was kick in another 6 or $7, I forgot, and gave that kid lunch for a month. Here's the deal. Their individual actions are now having shockwaves in our church. Because people in our church are going, a dollar? That's it? That's what we could do with a dollar? So if I don't spend it on me... But I, 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 we come in together. There's like 10 of us that are they're, they're going to brainstorm how to spend $10. Can you imagine what it would be like if you brainstorm how to spend like your gift card or whatever? But think about this. The power of coming together and realizing that our individual actions do really have community-wide consequences. What could that be like? See, you guys are joining with us on Tuesday night. And I'll close with this. And I have no idea what's going to happen on Tuesday night. I have no clue. Last time we had about 130 people there. We started building relationships with these guys. I have no idea what's going to happen. But here's what I do know. Southway needs to be 
on her best game. Why? Because the guys will be there and because some of y'all will be there. And we need to support and platform FCQ just like you guys need to do it for us as well. Because we're two churches in a big city trying to do something that shows people the great worth of a great God. So today as we, as we get, enter, get ready to enter into a time where we look at taking communion, I want you to ask God to give you the gift of self-examination. I just want to ask you, are your actions as individuals promoting community life or community decay? And would you be willing to say, God, change me. Let me live this life you designed me to live. Let's pray together. Father, I just come to you and, and ask that. Um, God, I pray that in 1,500 years, should there be a commentary written about the Houston church that wouldn't be like 1 Corinthians 10. And I don't want to be prideful and say we were the best. I just want to learn from the rich history of your people. God, I pray that as we individually make up this church, this local body of believers, as we individually make up uh, the church where I'm rooted in, and Lord, churches meeting right now all across the city, Lord, would you... Would you continue your work in and through your people? God, people that have been joined to you because of your son, Jesus Christ, I pray that you would do a renewing work in us and through us. God, I pray that in days, weeks, and months to come, that you would be pleased to pour your spirit out upon us. Lord, we know we have the spirit. But I pray for just a special move of your Holy Spirit. It would cause us to be more like your Son, Jesus Christ, and so doing, show him to the world. And it's in his mighty name I pray. Amen.